You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. We are in a sermon series that we have titled Pursue, um, but the uh, subtitle of it is Getting Past the Past. To be able to move forward, we have to be able to get past the things that keep us stuck. And, and move beyond those labels that people put on us, as we talked about last week. We're going to talk in the coming weeks about um, the hurts that we've caused others. We're going to be talking about our own mistakes. Today, I, I want to talk about something that's very critical, very central to our, our, our Christian faith. And that's getting past, getting past the hurt that others have caused us. Now, <clears throat> already... As soon as I said that, it's like, do we really have to talk about this? So the answer is yes, we do. We do. So bear with me this morning as we take a look at something that I think is, is um, maybe the greatest reason why people can't move forward in their life and in their faith. And it's because of the hurt that others have caused them. Forgiveness is never a topic that we should treat lightly because it's not easy to do. It's far easier in theory than it is in practice. And inevitably, some of you are going to think that we're going to hear this message. You're going to say, oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. But that doesn't apply to my situation. You don't know what they did to me. And everybody else needs to forgive. But I have every reason why I should not forgive And the fact of the matter is, you're right, you have every reason why you shouldn't forgive except one, and that's because God forgave you. So let's talk about that. How many of you have ever been hurt by somebody else? Duh. I mean, who hasn't? Who hasn't? Who hasn't? It was a misunderstanding that just blew up like a bomb. There was a betrayal that you faced that cut you to the core, a lie that left you out in the cold, a put down that has humiliated you and haunted you. Somebody stole something from you that was precious to you. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And, and you're feeling uneasy now, even as I talk about those things, because memories are rising to the surface and you feel the emotion of that. And, and you can easily go on acting as if everything's all right until something happens and then it sets you off. It trips you and you feel that bitterness rise up inside of you. So, so, so who, who hurt you? Let's, let's think about that for just a minute. Don't want to dwell on it, but we do need to go deep in order to go high. And so if we can just say, okay, there's this, there's this thing. Now, Jesus told us to love our enemies, right? <clears throat> and maybe the person you need to forgive is your enemy. I think sometimes the people that we need to forgive are not our enemies either. Sometimes the people we need to forgive are the people that are closest to us. And you realize the fact of the matter is that it's those who are closest to us that have the greatest ability to hurt us because we have so much invested in them. And when we feel betrayed, when someone who we love does something to hurt us, the hurt goes much deeper than it's somebody that we already don't have a lot of affection to to begin with. And forgiveness is, you know, it's, 
It's kind of like a scab on your soul. Unforgiveness is like a scab on your soul that won't heal. And, and sometimes you're going fine with it, but you bump that scab and all of a sudden it just bleeds all over everything else in your life. Or maybe it's like this chronic pain in your heart that keeps you from really experiencing the true joy that God wants you to experience. You just can't experience the joy of life because you're holding on. And there's something inside of you that says, I can't let go. Because if I let go of that bitterness and anger and hurt, then it feels like I'm losing. It's incredibly easy to harbor anger and bitterness toward those who hurt us because we can justify it. Because they deserve it. We, we know that it's just... The justice they deserve, they didn't get. So I'm going to be the one to somehow inflict justice upon them by my anger and hatred toward them. And we think that we're winning by doing that. You know, we read through the Gospels and you just can't escape the fact that the the insistence in Jesus' teaching that we practice forgiveness. Forgiveness, Martin Luther King Jr. said, is not an occasional act. It is a continual attitude. It's a continual attitude. And my question is, is it even possible? Is it even possible? And my only answer is, it has to be. But it takes a miracle. And it has to be the grace of God for us to be able to truly forgive those who hurt us. Let's, let's I think we need to pray, don't you, about this? Can, can we all pray a prayer that Jesus taught us together to pray? Can we stand together up at the meals? I want you to stand. We'll put the words up here so we're all in sync with the same words. Let's pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray because we, we really need this, don't we? Our Father in heaven, let's pray together. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. That's the scripture for this morning. Wow. Sorry. (laughs) Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. You may be seated. I love this prayer, don't you? If you, ever, if you don't know how to pray, if you ever say, I don't know what to pray, how to pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. You know you're praying what Jesus taught you to pray. You never doubt whether you're praying God's will when you pray the Lord's Prayer. However, there's that line that, that's right there in the middle that jumps out at you that says, forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who forgive against us. And here's what... Here's what Jesus is saying for us to say. He said, God, forgive me in the same way that I forgive other people. Now that puts a twist on it, doesn't it? We like to read the first part, God, forgive me my sins. But when you add the qualifier, as I forgive other people, does it mean forgive me so that then I can forgive other people? Could be a part of that. I think that's part of the nuance of that. But I think it's God, forgive me to the degree that I forgive other people. How do I know that? Because Jesus goes on to say, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So the question is, why should I forgive? Because unforgiveness hurts me. When I am holding bitterness and unforgiveness, who is the one I'm really hurting? I'm hurting me. 
It creates a barrier between me and God. How can I expect God to be so nice to me when I refuse to be nice to others? How can I expect God to forgive me when I'm unwilling to forgive somebody else? And Jesus says, pray, God, in the same way that I forgive other people, I want you to forgive me. So God says, okay, I'll take you up on that deal. Later on in Matthew 7, he says, in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. With the same measure you use, you will be measured. It will be measured unto you. So unforgiveness and bitterness, it ultimately hurts, hurts you. It hurts me whenever I hold that in. Why should I forgive? Because unforgiveness, it bleeds into all the other areas of my life. Hebrews 12 says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You see that? That no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defile. It bleeds over into other areas of our lives. Love keeps no record of wrong, but bitterness keeps a very detailed log. Does it not? Bitterness knows every wrong thing that you've done and it doesn't let it go. You talk to a bitter person who hurt you and they'll be able to tell you and they'll be able to tell you and they'll be able to justify it and they will remember every detail of the hurt that that caused you because bitterness keeps a very detailed record. Nelson Mandela, who, who just recently passed, said, resentment's like drinking poison and then hoping that it'll kill your enemies. You probably heard that elsewhere. Anne Lamont put it this way. She said, not forgiving is like drinking poison and waiting for the rat to dry. So bitterness... Drinking rat poison and, and expecting the rat to die. Right? So, so bitterness, it, it, it not only hurts you spiritually. I believe that bitterness hurts you physically. I believe it hurts you emotionally. I believe it hurts you mentally. Bitterness bleeds over into all the other areas of our lives. I read a story this week as I was researching this of a 73-year-old man from South Dakota. His name's Carl Erickson. And last year, 2012, actually, he was sentenced to life in prison for shooting his former high school classmate, Norman Johnson. You want to know why? Erickson, he was a successful insurance salesman, married to his wife for 40 years, a regular normal 44 years, a regular normal guy, and all of a sudden he seemed to snap. And when he was asked why he did it, he told this story. He said, when I was in high school, I was a, I was an af- a sports manager on, on, on the teams, on the athlete teams. In other words... Sports managers, I wasn't good enough to make the team, so I, so I you know, was an equipment manager. And, uh, and Norm Johnson, he was a star athlete. And one day in the locker room, he was, he was making fun, and he took a jock strap and he put it over my head, and he humiliated me in front of everybody. 50 years ago, he did this to me. And as they graduated and grew on, Johnson just became a very successful man and continued to thrive and go ahead. But the bitterness just ate away at, at, at Carl Erickson. And it ate away and ate away and ate away until something happened. And one day he snapped and he went over to Johnson's house. He knocked on his door. And when he answered the door, he pulled out a revolver and shot him and killed him. Fifty years later. Bitterness. Bitterness. It can eat at you. It can destroy you. You can't forgive somebody who knows what's going on inside of you. Why should I forgive? Because unforgiveness hurts me. 
It hurts me. Why else should I forgive? I should forgive because I will need forgiveness again. I'll, I'll need forgiveness again. Matthew chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If you have your smartphones, turn it on your Bible app there. Matthew chapter 18. I want you to read a story there, a parable that Jesus told. And uh, it's about forgiveness. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Jesus tells this parable in response to Peter's question, his disciples' question. He said, Jesus, how often should I forgive my enemy? Seven times? Seven times? I think that's pretty generous, don't you? I mean, two, three times, third, you know, three times is about my limit. It's like, you do this again to me, and I'm, I'm never going to forgive you again. P- Peter, I thought, was being pretty generous. Jesus said, no, no, not seven times, but how many times? Seven times, 70. In other words, uh, you know, he wasn't just talking uh, about, you know, this, this number. Okay, keep track, keep a record, and if it reaches that limit, then you can go ahead and, and uh, not forgive that person. He was basically speaking hyperbolically, and he said, as many times as you need to forgive. As many times as you need to forgive. Now, in response to that question, Jesus tells a story. And, and basically, the story goes like this in 1823. There's this billionaire tycoon kind of a guy. And he had a servant that owed him. And, and, and the, the verse there, it speaks of millions of dollars to, to translate what that is in, in today's wages. This guy owned him. He's a billionaire. Somebody owes him millions of dollars. And, and, uh, and the guy couldn't pay it back. And because he couldn't pay it back, he had every right to put him into to debtor's prison until he could pay it back or make him punish for it. And the servant did what any, anyone would do at that point. He comes to the billionaire guy and he come, falls at his feet and he begs him and he says, please, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. And then this astonishing thing happens. The owner who is owed this insurmountable debt, looks at this person, this guy, and he says, all right, your debt is forgiven. I wipe the slate clean. Now imagine if you owed somebody a debt that you couldn't pay, and you fell at their feet and you said, please, please forgive me, and they wiped your slate. Can you imagine how that would have felt? I mean, how great is that? How great is that, that all that I owed, all that I thought I could never, this burn that I've been carrying around my whole life, I knew that I couldn't ever get it back. Imagine what it felt like for this man when he said, all right, you don't owe me anything, walk away. So what happened then after that? And that's the crux of the story. The servant went out and he found another co-worker, another one who owed him a small amount, and depending on the, on, on the interpreter you read, the translator you read, they say it might be a couple thousand dollars. It might have been like ten dollars that he owed him. And let's say it's even a couple thousand dollars. Instead, the servant goes to this person who owed him a very little debt, and he grabs his shirt and he says, You owe me money. Pay me back. you got to get it back to me. Well, when the master, the person, the billionaire tycoon, heard what this guy that he forgave this huge debt did to the person that owed him a little debt, he called him in and he called the servant. He said, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, 
The master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured and should, uh, until he could pay back all he owed. And this is how it says your heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. You know, there's a lot of hard sayings of Jesus in the scripture, and that's a big one right there. I need to forgive because I will need forgiveness again someday. So why is it so hard to forgive? When I read this story, I think, wow, I'd never be like that unmerciful servant. I would never be that. If I was given, forgiven millions of dollars, you know, I'd be pretty generous with my life. I'd forgive little debts that people owe me. But, you know, not necessarily. And the reason is vengeance is sweet. Let's face it. Vengeance is sweet. You know, sometimes we can be pretty unforgiving people. And maybe it's because what scientists say happens in our brains when we want to be vindictive or we want to get revenge. Why are so many movies, why are so many stories and books all about getting vengeance, getting revenge? On the, and we love those movies, don't we? I mean, we, it just... In our brains, it, it's like it releases these, these chemicals. It's like taking a drug in your brain. It feels so good. When the bad guy gets what is due him, you feel euphoric. When Dorothy throws the water on the wicked witch, it's like, yes! When Rocky beats the Russian, yes! Yes, we're the greatest! When Clint Eastwood says, go ahead and make my day, we all cheer. We all cheer. Because it feels so good. Vengeance is so sweet. When someone sticks it to you and hurts you and causes you pain, and you hear that bad things are happening to them, don't you rejoice a little bit? Aren't you happy? Yeah, karma, right? God is getting back at them. Whatever it is, you're just thankful that they're having to pay for it. But the problem is vengeance turns sour. I think there's more to the story about the unmerciful servant than what we read. Notice what the servant is when he's begging for mercy. He says, be patient with me and I will repay it all. Knowing there's no way he could ever pay the debt back. And his promise was a vain promise. Could it be that he never believed that he was forgiven? Could, he be, could it be that he remembered the debt that he owed and he couldn't pay it back and that kind of ate away at him? Because though the, though the billionaire tycoon forgave him, in his mind, he wasn't feeling like he had done what he needed to do. And there was that sense of guilt inside of him. And maybe there was just a sense of turmoil about I don't, and so I need. And so what did he do? He begins this cycle of, of repayment and revenge. He had to feel like he had to pay back the person, even though he didn't, was told he was forgiven. But the problem is he didn't really believe what he was told. He didn't believe it in his heart. And so he still had to feel like he had to repay. And then they got angry at those who didn't pay him back. And it all started, I believe, when he didn't hear the words, your debt is forgiven. Right? I, I think it all started when he couldn't believe the fact that he was forgiven. And here's the thing about the parables of Jesus. Those characters represent people. And you know very clearly that the master in the story represents God and the unmerciful servant represents you and me. 
It represents us. And the insurmountable debt that we owe to God for our own waywardness, our own sinfulness, our own selfishness, you know, our ability, we just go to God when we want to withdraw from, from that heavenly bank account, never making any deposits in it. And we realize that over time, all we've been doing is going to God, God bless me, God do this for me, God do that for me. And we're always begging, asking for God's blessings. And then, and, and then we, we, we're taking more than we're giving. And we realize that we've sinned, that we've done wrong. We hide from God. We break God's laws. We do whatever we can to get our own way. We betray other people. We hurt other people. We know that's not God's will. We know that's not right. We feel bad about that. God comes to us and says, you know what? I want to wipe the slate clean. And for many of us, we believe it in our heads, but we don't get it in our hearts. We believe the Sunday school response and the church answer. We we read the liturgy. We say the prayers, but it doesn't feel it. We don't get it down in our souls. And as a result of that, we still live with this unresolved guilt, this unresolved sense of I got to pay it back. That feeling turns into I got to get others to pay me back. And that cycle of repayment and, and uh, vengeance continues to go on and on and on in our lives. We got we, we to get to the point where forgiveness must be felt if I'm ever to be able to forgive. Because there are people that have hurt you and there are some pretty deep wounds there, pretty significant things. You have been wronged. There is a debt that is owed you. Forgiveness is not minimizing that debt. I want to talk about what forgiveness isn't in just a minute here. But let's get this point. Where would we be without God's forgiveness? You see, all of this, all of this, we, we stand in need of God's grace and mercy. We all know that. So when we say, God, God, sure, I want your forgiveness. Please, God, wipe my slate clean. But when we turn around and we're not able to forgive, we make our faith out to be a sham. We're hypocrites. When we say, God, forgive me, but I'm not going to forgive somebody else. So if for no other reason, forgive the hurt that they caused you for your own sake. You're only hurting yourself by holding that grudge, by refusing to forgive. You're handling that other person, the power that that they still have to hurt you. Do you understand that? When I'm holding anger and bitterness to somebody that hurt me a long time ago, it's like I'm handing you the power to keep hurting me, keep hurting me. When When you're able to forgive you're setting yourself free from the power they have over you. How how can I forgive somebody? Let's get down to the brass tacks here. How can I forgive somebody that hurt me? First of all, I think we need to understand what forgiveness is not. And please hear this. Forgiveness is not denying or dismissing the problem or the issue. When Jesus sent out his disciples to tell them that God forgives them, he was calling the people to repent. He wasn't saying, forgive, I forgive you, go ahead and keep doing the same thing. I forgive you, it doesn't matter, just go out and keep, 
you know, committing adultery, doing what you want to do, yada, yada. I forgive you. He called them to repent. Repentance means to turn around from what you're doing. Even the woman caught in adultery where everybody's ready to stone him, Jesus forgave her. But then what did he say? Go and sin no more. In other words, forgiveness is not enabling somebody. But what about that person who doesn't own up to the wrong they've done? What if that person isn't around anymore? Can I forgive that father, that mother, that parent, that spouse, whoever it is, and they're no longer around, they're no longer in my life? Can I really forgive them? I think you can, but it's more difficult. It's a lot easier to forgive the person who will come to you and say, this is what I've done. True reconciliation happens. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same too. Reconciliation happens when the person comes and repents owns it, admits what they've done, and tries to make it right, and you forgive, and you either forgive their debt or you allow them to pay it back for their sake. That's reconciliation to rebuild the relationship. Forgiveness doesn't necessarily turn into reconciliation, but forgiveness is saying, I'm no longer going to let you have the power to hurt me any longer. And, and what you did was wrong. I don't condone it, but I'm forgiving you. In other words, somebody said it this way, if the dog keeps biting you, you don't have to pet the dog. Know what I mean? If you're in an abusive relationship and that person's sorry, I'll come back, but they keep hitting you, get out of it. You can forgive them from a distance too. All right? So understand, forgiveness is not enabling. Forgiveness is not continuing to live in a, in a, in a destructive situation. Forgiveness is also not the same as healing. They're different things. Forgiveness is the first step on the journey of healing, but it's a process. You, 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 you can get healed eventually, but you can't get healed of the hurt without forgiving first. And so forgiveness is the first step. And you know what? We need to build forgiveness muscles. We, you know, it, it doesn't just happen because we feel like forgiving. When you, when you signed up for the gym this January, did you feel like going to the gym? When you went to the gym the first time and you came back and you were sore, did you feel like going back to the gym? No, no, no. We, we often don't feel it, but we have, to, we, have to, we, have to practice, we have to exercise those forgiveness muscles in order to learn to forgive. We do it when we don't feel like it. We need to forgive. How do we forgive? We, we need to understand what forgiveness isn't. And then I think we need to pray for those who hurt us. That's, it's called taking the high road. You don't stoop down to that level, you take the high road. You pray for those that hurt you. And I don't mean pray the imprecatory prayers of the Old Testament. God, strike my enemy dead. God, kill them. God, you see the prayers in the Old Testament. You're not alone in wanting to pray those prayers. You know, that's not the kind of prayer. I think pray for them. Jesus says, pray for your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. You've heard that it was said, love your enemy and hate your enemy. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What? That you may be your children of your Father in heaven. I'll tell you what, this is the core of Christianity. In other faiths, you are commanded to get even. The righteous thing to do when somebody hurts you in some other faiths is to get even. If it's, it's the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth value. And you are doing the right thing by destroying the enemy who destroyed you. That's why we have this cycle of wars over and over and over again.
This is Martin Luther King Jr. holiday tomorrow, the weekend we remember the model that he did. And you know, he was, pre- he was a preacher. Where did he find, where did he get his, his whole method of peaceful resistance, of social activism without returning evil with evil, insult with insult? It was here. It was these scriptures. It was, it was all of this. And it was radical. He said, first, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. Forgiveness does not mean ignoring what has been done or putting a false label on an evil act. It means rather that the evil act no longer remains as a barrier to the relationship. Forgiveness is a catalyst, creating the atmosphere necessary for a fresh start and a new beginning. It's the lifting of a burden or the canceling of a debt. And he goes on to say, returning hate for hate multiplies hate. Adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. How do I forgive? I pray for those who hurt me. I understand that forgiveness doesn't mean that I'm justifying or enabling or condoning or going back into the evil situation. We need to pray for them. We need to seek to understand them. More often than not, the people that hurt you are wounded people themselves. You've heard the saying, hurting people hurt people. Sinful people sin. (laughs) What do you expect? Right? Understand that, that, that that doesn't justify or excuse the behavior, but at least we begin to understand that perhaps they don't know any better. We need to pray for them to find God. We need to pray for them to get right with God. And then, how do we forgive the same way that we've been forgiven? Paul wrote, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You had a debt you could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. As God forgave you, we need to forgive one another. And it's only when we do that can we move beyond, move forward. We're stuck. We're stuck in our bitterness. We're stuck in our unforgiveness. You can't move forward with joy. You can't move forward with freedom. Lewis Speed says, you know that forgiveness has begun when you think of those who hurt you and you feel the power to wish them well. And, and, and the idea that we can, we can move forward Forgiveness is setting the other person free, realizing that you get set free when you do that. You're the prisoner of your own bitterness. You're the prisoner of your own unforgiveness. Yes, you're justified. Go ahead. How's that working for you? Keep it up. What's that doing for you? How are you hurting them by doing that? We need help, amen? Amen. Amen. I told you this wasn't an easy message because this is the crux of our faith. This is what Christ-likeness really is. And you know what? 
Forgiveness for the hurt that others caused you takes a dying inside. There's something in you that dies. And that's the paradox of the gospel, isn't it? Jesus said, if you lose your life, then you can live. If you lose, you die to that old self, then you can live a new life. So you've got to die to that. And it hurts. Dying is painful. So do the painful thing that you might be cured, be healed. Medicine doesn't feel good going down, but it heals you. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray the Lord prayer, Lord's Prayer as we generally know it together is our prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. God, I pray right now for all of us here at the Mills and everybody here in Oakmont and anyone that might be listening on the podcast, wherever they are. God, as we have had these memories in our head start bouncing around and creating those emotions, help us to take them to you and realize, God, that you wiped our slate clean. Help us to feel that. Help us to rest in that. Help us to know that the one who knows us best and loves us most doesn't want to hurt us, wants to forgive us and heal us. Let that healing help us to be forgiving people. And right now, as we think of those people that may have hurt us, that they're the power, we feel the power they have over us in that anger and bitterness. And though we may feel righteous and justified in holding that against them, God, help us to realize we're only hurting ourselves. And may we, by the grace of God, even in this moment, say, God, by your help, I forgive them. God, as you have forgiven me, I forgive them. I forgive them. No longer will I hold them prisoner of my anger and bitterness. No longer will I be held prisoner of my anger and bitterness. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Touch our hearts. Heal our spirits and souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.